Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Okay, we're live. This is Bo and Peter. And we're with Running Light Ministries, and we get to do these podcasts every now and then. <laughs> As our schedules allow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's been forever since we've actually been live. And you can see we're kind of reshaping a room here. <laughs> I know it's in progress, you know. <laughs> this thing's awesome, dude. We got we got we got a lot of retro stuff behind us, as Peter's pointed out. <laughs> we got VHSs. Does anybody remember this? <laughs> What's interesting is the first book I ever did, right? It was this cover. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is where I got the cover from. Was like this kind of VHS. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was how porn was done back then, man. That's how it was. That's right. That's so, Running Light's was. a ministry that uh, is really for those that uh, struggle with sexual immorality, those kind of issues, and we get together and talk about these things quite a bit. And so, we've been going now for a long time. Yeah. This is probably going to be episode like 100 or something. So we've done a ton of these. Got to do something special for the actual 100, man. <laughs> yeah. So this isn't the 100th, but uh, but we have been doing this a long time, hmm. and so uh, we we have groups for men and women, and and uh, we we love to minister the word of God to people and share kind of the hope that's in Christ, and uh, and so we spend a lot of time in the word of God around these issues. So um, um, we hope to do that today, too. Um, why don't you give a little update on your group? Yeah. So I don't, I don't even know if we've been doing this since we started at the Gospel Rescue Mission. I don't think so. Yeah, so we, uh, we have been doing things with the Salvation Army for a while. I don't even know if we even talked about this, but the Salvation Army, the ARC, the Adult Rehabilitation Center in Tucson, closed down. Yep. Uh, which is a huge, massive blow, I believe, to Tucson. They had a lot of men in there. They had like 80 yeah. at a time. So it was pretty radical. It got shut down for financial reasons, which was a huge shock to me and Bo and to the, the guys who worked there. But um, because of that, you know, the door closes, a window opens. Me and Bo got invited out to go to Phoenix, the Salvation Army up in Phoenix, which has been awesome. Yeah, uh, We haven't been going for a while because... <laughs> We've had some medical We've issues. Had some medical problems. Uh, my wife is pregnant, which is awesome. Yeah, she's 18 weeks. So that's really, really cool. But yeah, we, we haven't been able to go for a while, but now we're able to, we're hopefully going next week. And then also we got an invitation to go up to the Gospel Rescue Mission. They have a new facility up on Palo Verde uh, called the Center of Opportunity. And me, it's like, it's this old hotel down by the Holodome. And uh, I guess they bought it or someone gave it to them, and, and now they're using it for rehabilitation, which is amazing. So me and Bo are going up there on Fridays. And then the Tuesday group, man, we've been going through my book, Rooted in Sin, Rescued by Love, for like a year now. Uh, we are in chapter 14. So there's 16 chapters in the book, so we're close to the end. But we've been going through... All of it, uh, you know, starting with, you know, what sin is, uh, the source of sin, the root of sin, which is pride, going all the way up. And now we're going through emotional sin, which uh, we're starting with depression, 
uh, cynicism and depression and how that impacts us in our struggle. And then uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll probably start up with anxiety. And then the final chapter is on wrath. Hmm. Uh, and then once we wrap up with those, once we talk about those issues, then we'll probably go into a different study. Maybe um, uh, go just back into our own workbook uh, with the, the, the foundations for uh, fighting and combating sin on a biblical basis, things like confession, invitation, seeking God's glory, and uh, but who knows. But yeah, it's been really awesome. Uh, it's been an amazing Are the guys season. receiving it pretty well? Oh yeah, yeah, they seem to be digging it. They seem to be liking it. I have a really faithful crew right now. We got about 12, I mean like uh, 10 to 12 dudes show up faithfully every Tuesday. And we talk through things. It's really nice because, uh, you know, not that we don't like having new people, we love having new people, it's awesome, but it's nice when everyone's faithful, because then we're all like on the same page and we get to build on things, you know, yeah. when the group's in a time of like a season of like influx with like a lot of new people, uh, there's like a need to reiterate things and to go back to kind of square one and, and rebuild back things up, so it's it's cool just to be able to have this year-long journey we've been on, and pretty much all the guys in it have been with me the whole time, and we just get to build on stuff, and it's been it's been really awesome. Yeah, how many how many um, guys, you know, really, you know, kind of understand that idea of kind of putting in that work, mm. you know? You know, uh, not many. You know, I, I remember working at Setting Captain Screen. I remember you did too, Bo. Uh, the statistic they gave me was one in ten will get it. So that, that's pretty radical because if you think about it, when we were working at Setting Captain Screen, this is. Uh, people who are coming to this place, they're coming to this site because they are acknowledging the fact that they have an issue, they want to get free. Um, one in 10 of those people who came to the site will complete the study. Uh, most people sign up and never do it. Uh, then there's a, another percentage, they sign up, they did like half of it, and then they quit at some point, and then the final 1% <laughs> make through the whole thing. And uh, it's the same in, in, in the group. I, I think in the group, there's a little bit better percentage. I would say maybe like 30% of the guys who show up to the group um, take it seriously, invest, and pursue freedom um, ongoing. They really do see the graces of God within the group. They don't see it as a means to an end, which is a rare thing. Uh, most people, when they show up to the group, they're looking for like a quick fix. They're looking for, oh man, like this is a a three-month Bible study, and then I'm done, you know, and that's yeah. what they're looking for. Yeah. Uh, it's it's rare to have that soul who comes and it's just like, man, I just want to, I see this as a grace. Confession's a grace. Accountability's a grace. Fellowship is a grace. Why would I ever give these things up? I'm pursuing God. That's, that's a rare thing to see someone come in with that attitude, but the people who stay obviously gain that attitude, which is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many issues that, that uh you know we you deal with and you know it's so normal to want just a quick fix of things and even in christian circles you know the church is so used to sometimes just having that quick fix like the answer is jesus and and if you just give your life to jesus you know hold on to the precious promises of the, of the word of god you'll be fine yeah you know you'll be good and people are like i'm trying to hold on <laughs> hold on no just hold on you know <laughs> you know and and it, it, it never, there's always those inner things, those James chapter three sections of, you know, where does, uh, you know, sin abide, basically, you know, mm -hmm. where it, it comes from within, you know, um, you know, where does these selfish ambitions come from? They come from within. Where does defilement come from? You know, Mark 
chapter 9 tells us it comes from within, or it might be Mark chapter 7, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, talking about within us. And, and those things are, are a little more tougher to root out. Um, and, um, you know, it seems like sometimes when we're done with all of our outward sins, then we, then we have a lot of pride issues yeah. <laughs> that we're working on, right. you know, self-righteous issues. But, you know, that's great. Yeah, the Ministry of Running Light has been going for since, I think, 2007 now. So mm -hmm. it's been kind of trudging through. And um, I was able to go to Pima College, and I get to teach in human sexuality every semester there and just do a, a, a kind of a good hour and a half lecture, if you will, on uh, human sex trafficking and pornography. And really the talk is about, is there a link between pornography and sex trafficking? And so it's, it's kind of a serious talk. It's one that we get given to parents not too long ago. That was kind of good, uh, or not kind of good. I thought it was really good. That was awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I felt the same way. Yeah. And um, uh, the one in Pima is more college student friendly, yeah. if you will. And... Uh, we just added a new section to this presentation on gaming. And really what we asked, or what I asked the question to the students was, not that, don't look at it like does a cause and effect. Don't look at it like does pornography cause sex trafficking. Because when you look at it that way, the issue is, is you're not going to find it. Right. And and you're going to see. This is a shocking thing to most people, right? Right. Yeah. Most people go, what? You know, you know, that's that's kind of the catalyst is, you know, you watch porn, you go sex traffic. But the problem with that way of thinking of cause and effect is how many people watch pornography. Right. And then how many people commit the act of, of sex crimes and especially uh, human sex trafficking. Right. Um, and, and then you start going, you know, way low, yeah. you know. And then when you start delving into research about rape statistics, you know, some people might go, well, hey, the rape statistics in the United States is kind of high. That's because of pornography. No, 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 That's not because of pornography. That's because in the United States, we value saying something about rape. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to understand that there's some, some countries that don't have pornography at all. They ban porn. And they do their best to ban porn. But those countries, if you look at their rape statistics, overall, they're kind of low. And you look at them, and then if you delve in a little bit into the countries, then you'll go, whoa, like what happens in Saudi Arabia? What happens in Iran? You know, in, that, in those kind of style places. And then people go, whoa, or China, for right. instance. You know, a lot right, of where women can't. Yeah. They can't. I mean, you were there on the ground, before. dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I read this um, this study that was done just on Pakistan. And Pakistan is, I mean, it's still pretty crazy, but I mean, it's definitely more moderate than some of the countries you mentioned, like uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, places like this. Pakistan is more moderate. But in Pakistan, um, because of some of the Sharia laws of Islam, uh, women, their their voice in court is half that of a man. So if a woman goes and says, this guy raped me, and he says, no, I didn't, then his word is worth double hers. Right. So unless she can provide more witnesses, uh, specifically male witnesses, then she just admitted to adultery. So all he has to say is no, is consensual. And, uh, or he just has to say, no, I, I didn't have sex with you. 
and then she's going to be tried for adultery, and that is a death penalty. So I most, think I think they should go back to numbers, man, and drink the yeah. drink the fluid, <laughs> the drink, magic drink potion, the, <laughs> drink the water, man. And if her if her belly swells, that's it. That's the one. She's done. What an interesting passage. Of that's scripture. a really interesting passage. For those of you guys who don't know, in, in the book of Numbers, it's one of those passages you'll pretty much never hear a pastor teach on just because of how weird it is. But basically, uh, it's if a husband feels as if his wife has been unfaithful, but he can't prove it. So he, he really just has the sense that his wife has cheated on him. Uh, what he does is he has her go up to the temple and the priest mixes water with, I believe, the ashes of a sacrifice, and he has the woman drink it. And we're not really sure that the, the Hebrew words are a little iffy, but the way it's translated in most Bibles is her stomach or her, her thigh rots and her belly swells. And we don't really know what that means, but it's obviously some sort of a physical ailment is going to happen to her. Uh, something noticeable, something that you could see happen as the priest. I'm trying to think where that passage is. I said numbers because I thought it was in the book of numbers. It might be in Deuteronomy. But anyway, we'll we'll have to well anyway, that's yeah. a side note. But it's crazy, it's crazy because like if essentially if, if that happens then she obviously committed adultery and that's it. Uh and the penalty for adultery is death. But if she didn't do it, then she's kind of off scot free. Like nothing really happened. So uh it was it was a really radical thing. It was definitely something that God did it was there was definitely supernatural attributes so it's it's funny because you know if if someone was against that they're like man that's crap that's like chauvinism whatever you should actually like that passage because if god doesn't exist then the woman's going to drink it nothing's going to happen to her so that means that like so if god's not real and she drinks it obviously drinking water with ash isn't going to make anything weird happen to you physically so that means that every woman got away with adultery in israel like there's no way to prove it the only way that that passage should be frightening to you is if God really does exist and he was able to make something supernatural manifest on these women's bodies as a result of this ritual. Yeah. It's a, it's a, so you can't go off cause and effect in a simple way right. when it comes to pornography and sex trafficking. So um, it, it's a really, the question that we asked was, does... Um, you know, what does pornography normalize? Mm. You know, and so we take them through certain um, kind of popular pornography. We look at what is popular mm. in pornography, and then we go, you know, what does this normalize? And the interesting thing about it is when you look at what it normalizes, it always comes down to a lot of abuse. Mm. And, and, you know, of course, not all pornography has this kind of violent act towards it but there certainly is enough of it mm. you know where you have to start asking the question is what is being normalized here and one of the students you know was like well hey you know you know pornography you know has always been around and and before the porn industry there was sex trafficking and and i'm like absolutely you know right there's no cause and effect here right it's doesn't mean pornography doesn't mean sex trafficking. We see that there's things in the Bible that's, you know, talking about this issue. So, so you're right, let's not go there. But I asked him, you know, do you think that the 
prevalence of this kind of material being free and being viewed on such a large scale, hmm. do you think that it has any educational significance at all? Does it normalize anything? Hmm. And, you know, he kind of thought about it and then the other students chimed in, you know, and most of them were like, yeah, so of course it does. Um, of course, there's an education that's happening through it all. Um, so it's a good class, and I think it helps the, the students realize that there's something in their culture that they know about, that they're really familiar with, and, and it's good to discuss it and, and come to you know, a rational understanding of what is available in their world, and you know, not just for them, but for their potential kids that they're going to have in the future, and, you know, and so on. Mm -hmm. That's why I like, you know, like I know that a lot of people kind of struggle with our ministry because of this, uh, because we don't tend to take a very hard line on things like this. Uh, we, we tend to, to look at it from more of a, a different vantage point, like a different perspective, uh, because some, some Christians would like to demonize pornography and say, like, these things that I see that are negative in my culture are because of porn, you know, like porn has done this. And uh, it's almost, it goes a little bit back to like what we were just talking about with the sin that's like in us, you know, where it's like, did porn create it or did we create porn? You know, <laughs> you know, like in other yeah. words, is porn creating these issues in our heart or are the issues in our heart creating pornography, you know? And that's a good question to ask. Like it's a really important one for us as Christians because the same arguments that, you know, we're using right now of like, you know, we're looking at pornography having a negative impact on those who are viewing it. Absolutely. But we're also looking at like, if porn didn't exist, if the porn industry didn't exist, would there be other institutions that have existed in the past that did the same thing? Uh, for instance, like brothels, uh, temples to goddesses or gods that are um, innately sexual, like Aphrodite and things like that. Um, different artworks, uh, you know, when you look at some artwork from like ancient Greece and Rome, highly sexual stuff. Um, like, I mean, if, if someone made a statue of just like a naked dude or a naked woman and like put it in their house today, people would be like, that's pretty sexual, that's pretty sensual. But if you get like a, a statue made by some Greek artisan back in the day, that's the same thing. People are like, oh, that's like very enlightened. You know, that's very, you're very savvy when it comes to the art. So it's, it's very interesting that, that we kind of look at their cultures and, and, and we think that way. But it is like, that's the point we're trying to get at is like our hearts have created porn. You know, that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's in, in, you know, when I look at the, the Old Testament and you look at the word for sexual immorality, um, the Hebrew stem that's used, um, that means prostitution or sexual immorality, it's, it's being discussed always in the area of idol worship. It's talking about bowing down, um, giving yourself over to the idol. Whether you look at Hosea, which is a latter use of the term, um, you know, especially like Hosea 4, or if you go back to Numbers and you go back to the Torah and the warnings that are given about bowing down, or when they are taken, say, uh, uh, they're enamored by the Midianites, mm -hmm. the women, 
and and the issue is always if you look at that in the book of numbers it's them bowing down they're giving themselves over to a god other than yahweh right and there's no specific talk about the sexual immorality um that's going on meaning we don't know exactly what's going on right you know with their sex you know what they're doing mm. But the word, the word sexual immorality or prostitute or harlot, whichever version you're reading, is always talking about the, the bowing down, the giving over to a foreign god mm. that is not Israel's god. Right. So the word is used always of something that's going on in the person's heart. He's giving himself over to an idol mm. and the word that's used is this word that we translate prostitute harlot or you know one of those terms but you could translate it if you looked at just what's happening you could translate it just has given themselves over to non-yahweh idol worship right right you know they've prostituted themselves right you know, they've given themselves over to non-Yahweh worship, you know? Yeah. And, and it says what they've done. They've bowed. They've given themselves over. They've, you know, they, they've followed the way of the women. Right. Um, so it doesn't say they followed into, like, um, you know, it doesn't say they followed into this type of sexual behavior. Right. You know, so it's interesting that it's always talking about idol worship, which where does that begin? Where does that happen? Right. Right? Right. There is something in the in the heart, you know, yeah. that's going on. So, you know, that's that's what I see even in the in the the Old Testament is that there's a there's a heart thing that's going on. Mm. You know, that these people are giving themselves giving themselves over to another God and and therefore whatever is the ramifications of that. Seems like most of what is really repulsive is the given over of sacrifices to a foreign deity mm. and so that's spoken of quite a bit right um you know yeah yeah but you're i, I think you're you're right in in that um you know there's something in the human heart that the human condition that that moves in that direction mm. You know. At this point, you know, like, um, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's true. You know, whenever a Christian, uh, whenever Christians attempt to change the world from, like, a political standpoint, um, they always are met with failure, which kind of, it's kind of sad, but it's true. Like, whenever they try to change it, and I should qualify this, when they try to change it from a purely political standpoint, there's always a failure. Uh, the reason is because the assumption is that if this, if this organization, if this movement, if this perspective, if this ideology, if this whatever, fill in the blank, did not exist, then people would be great, you know? That if porn didn't exist, then people wouldn't uh, dehumanize women, objectify women, use women, abuse women. Um, that's kind of the perspective. And uh, you could go down the list of other things that Christians have thought that way towards. Even even something like slavery. If, if slavery didn't exist, racism wouldn't exist. 
but it's like, hey, I'm so happy. Like the abolishing of slavery gave move to certainly a, a much more uh, incredible liberty for the Africans in, in this country, as well as the humanization of them, as well as the equalization of them, as well as the move toward uh, away from racism. However, when slavery was abolished, racism still existed in the South. And there was a lot more actually incredible amounts of abuse that happened towards the black people in the South as a result of slavery being abolished because the removal of the, of the institution doesn't do anything for the heart, right? So the same thing is true with pornography if Christians really were successful in abolishing slavery, I mean, in prostitution or pornography. It's like, if we were really successful in that, that would do nothing towards the heart of man that wants to do that anyway, that wants to objectify and use women and is gonna find a way. Uh, another really quick example would be the abolition of alcohol in the 30s, which was kind of a train wreck where there was this idea of like, oh, if we got rid of liquor, if we got rid of that, then it would fix everything. And it's like, well, it didn't really fix anything because uh, people still wanted to get drunk and they still wanted their alcohol and they're gonna get it. And it actually turned into this, this massive issue. That's why they brought back the legalization of alcohol. So uh, I think Christians are always going to kind of hit their head against the wall until they recognize the truth that the scriptures give us is that there has to be a changing, a fundamental changing of the human heart that is going to make the difference, not merely a changing of institutions. Yeah, and, and, and there's passages that definitely talk about, you know, the righteousness that's in the land. And holding on to the righteousness, or the righteousness in in the land, like in in your country, I've always found that it's really interesting that that the dude who wrote that is Solomon, right? You know, yeah. And so he's talking about being righteous within the land, and yet that dude's not really the righteous guy. That's right. You know, and um, but but I guess my point is 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 that there's a part of us that want you know, always want laws changed and want to see, you know, especially people not abused. Mm. And um, and that's really the tricky thing is like, you know, when it comes to pornography, you know, is it a form of abuse itself? Mm. You know, it, you know, and this is, I think, the tragedy of pornography. Too many people focus, when they focus on pornography, they focus on people who watch porn. Mm. And to me, that's the most normal thing for human beings. Right. Meaning human beings naturally are prone, they're sexual beings. They're naturally going to be prone to go towards things that are sexual. Yeah. Um, so I don't find anything abnormal about that at all. Yeah. So when someone in the church or, or just anybody just says, hey, you know, Bo, I, I, you know, I watch porn and you know, whether they like whether they they're okay with that or whether they're not okay with that um to me that that's fairly normal of human beings right um if we didn't have the modern porn industry there's there was the peeping tom world right and if you weren't a peeping tom you were someone that always thought about it and you would try to do things to try to repress right you know those kind of things and um and and so you know that that's normal i think the tragedy of of pornography that people fail to to think about is that so many people record and video something or take pictures of themselves and forever those those videos and those images are out there right and I think that's 
the real tragedy of it all yeah. is is people are doing things in a in a moment in time right that is being captured for a lifetime yeah and that's tough mm. that's that's a, a tough truth to live by if you took other parts of your life and you said you know i'm gonna have to live with this part of my life the rest of my life this mistake or yeah yeah or this event yeah even this event yeah you know you have to live with that the rest of you know my life i think that's a tragic part of of today's porn culture yeah you know and i uh I also was just thinking about what you just said about, you know, is pornography itself abusive? And I know the, the predominant answer response that people would get is like, how could it be abusive if people want it? You know, if these actors and actresses want to be in this, like they're getting paid, this is what yeah. they want to do. And uh, it even brings up like stuff, stuff when we're in the Salvation Army where guys are like, well, what if she wants it? You know, yeah. <laughs> when we talk about, you know, like right. viewing pornography or cheating or, you know, like doing these other, inviting other people into the bed or using these different methods of, of having sex that might be a little bit more degrading. And like, what if she wants it, man? Like, what if that's cool to her? And the obvious answer is just because someone is okay with something doesn't make it non-abusive. And a really good example, so if people are like, no, nah, that's not true. If people are okay with it, it's by definition non-abusive. Well, a good example I could give you is like if I were to ask a woman in Afghanistan, um, are you okay with the fact that your husband has other wives other than you? Are you okay with the fact that if your husband wanted to legally, he could beat you? Um, are you okay with the fact that you are not legally able to receive education, that you're not able to hold any political office, you're not able to run a business, you're not able to get a job, you're not able, you know, if I were to run down those questions with the average woman, in Afghanistan, she would say, I'm okay with that. This is what I want, you know? But the reason why she wants it is because she's been conditioned to believe that this is normal and good. Um, so if you condition someone to believe that something is normal and good and they want to be there, that doesn't make it good. Once again, going to uh, slavery. If I were to ask, even back in the day in the South, a lot of people who were slaves were okay with the fact that they were slaves. Does that make the institution okay? Does that make the abuse that they're suffering okay? No, they've been raised in it and they've been conditioned to believe that it's okay and normal, so they believe it. So flip over to like what Bo was saying earlier, what does pornography normalize? What does it condition us to believe is normal, acceptable treatment, uh, normal, acceptable or ethical, or even uh, uh, gratification or wonderful treatment of women and men in regards to their sexuality. And just think, are people being conditioned in some way to believe that something is good when maybe it's not, you know? So yeah. it's not a very good thing to say if someone likes it or if someone's okay with it, it's not abuse. Uh, Cause that's not true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes total sense. You know, you know, biblically speaking, of course, we have a, a Christian worldview. And so, you know, we look at we look at the other tragedy, uh, if you will, another tragedy of pornography uh, from our worldview specifically. So this the first one I gave was like it could be just and, you know, any worldview, a naturalistic worldview or a theistic worldview. But this one's more definitely theistic 
worldview, and that is, you know, what is it? What does it say, or what does it normalize ab about sex? Um, and uh, you know, you know what, you know, just that itself. You know, what is it saying about the sex act itself? Um, and you know, the only thing you can really come to with pornography is that it means that the sex act is for my self gratification. Mm. I mean, I just, you know, you know, because pornography is a is usually without context it 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 doesn't give us much of the surrounding issues of these people's lives and and you know and even in the stories of pornography the movies itself there, there's not much storyline of people's lives so all the sex that's going on between people um it seems just very self oriented you know and, and and you know i don't know how you else you could look at pornography but just say it's very narcissistic right right that's the whole point of it right you know and that's what i that's what i i guess we can say is that you know is is the 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 medium itself you know abusive mm. you know and and if something's very narcissistic like that um, then we have to look at it, I think, as a culture, and, you know, and be kind of concerned with it. Right. You know, and just like, just like, you know, any other area of life, if you're narcissistic in food, you know, if you're just eating, you know, what you want to eat every time you want to eat it, and that, that's the way your world worked, you know, that every time, you know, you did, then you probably would have are going to have a problem mm. and so you know you look at pornography and, and all you see is people usually having sex whenever they want to have sex right and we have to ask the question is in in life is that really the way we live right is there no restraint right you know, and the answer is no, that's not the way we live. Right. We're always living with restraint. And which is good. If people I don't want the dude who's mad at me for my driving because I'm driving slow. I don't want that guy who's angry to feel like it's okay to run me off the road. Right. Or to pull out a gun and shoot me. Right. You know, I hope there's some kind of restraint going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in that. So, you know, you know, it, it is a form, I guess, of idol worship, or not, I guess, but you look at Colossians 3, and, and it's a passage that talks about, um, you know, it kind of equates this kind of move of sexual narcissism. And that's a good way, I think, to put pornography. Mm. It's, just, it's, a, it's a form of sexual narcissism, right. you know. Um, and... And now I don't want people to think like, oh, my my husband's admitted to porn. He's like, you know, he's he's a narcissist. Well, yeah, I mean, you could say, sure, yeah, there's a narcissism in him. Yeah, there's a level. There's a level there. Yeah, it might not be uh, the DM five right. level, <laughs> right? You know, the 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 psychology manual, 
you know, level, but there's a form of it. But I guarantee if you looked at your own life too, you're going to find some form of that kind of narcissistic attitude. Right, like a, a selfishness in your sexuality, where once again, your, your sexuality is just one more aspect of who you are. And uh, because of that, the only people who are truly non-selfish in their sexuality are people who are non-selfish, period. Right? So if you were not selfish in any area, then you would also not be selfish in your sexuality. But because selfishness exists, it's going to creep into all of your appetites. Um, absolutely. So um, there's not a single person amongst us that could honestly say that, no, there's no selfishness in the way that I look at or utilize my um, sexuality. But however, when you have systems in place or things in place that can feed that narcissism, meaning that could tell you that this is not like your narcissistic views, your selfish views of your sexuality are not weird. They're normal. There's no need to fight them. There's no need to restrain them. There's no need to change them. They're okay. They're, they're actually awesome, right? Because that's, that's kind of the view that I would get from pornography where it's like, man, it would be better if everybody was just way selfish, you know, <laughs> like if I, if everybody just went into the, the bed, just not even caring about what that person was thinking or what they were doing. And everyone was just out to get theirs. Like what a great world. Well, you, you think know? of a, you think of a porn world and you think of, you know, you run into someone and you have sex with them. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and you think, you know, like what a weird world. Right. You know, and, and it certainly makes any relationship that you have of any supposed worth right. of no worth. Right. Because you have, you've made worth irrelevant at that point. Because right. now everything is of not worth. Right. Why? Because everything's now treated the same. Right. So what was treated as a wife, you know, where you, that's a special thing. Right is no longer special anymore. Right. It's no longer. It's common. Yeah. It's something you share with anybody. That's right. It's, it's, so everything becomes of no worth. Right. Um, and that seems like completely um, impossible to live. Yeah. Even, even from a non-Christian worldview. Right. You couldn't live that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I was just reading Proverbs 5 the other day, and obviously a dude who failed at this hardcore wrote it, you know, Solomon. And he, he does, at the end, towards the end of chapter five, he talks about what Bo's mentioning, this idea of specialness. And he, and he gets this idea of like a fountain, you know, and he's like, why would you let your fountain spill over? You know, why would you let just anybody drink out of it? You know, and, and he's getting the idea of like, um, of, of a husband and a wife. He's like, why would you let just anybody drink out of your fountain? He's like, you, you, you enjoy your fountain. Like that's that's your wife. It's special, and it's meant to be um, innate. And he's like, be enraptured with his love. So he gives this idea that it's the specialness or the uniqueness or the to use the Christian word the holiness, the set apartness of that relationship that provides so much of the passion. Where it's because it's not common. It's so amazing. Um, and so, so it's so funny that Solomon said that. I love that. So I love the Proverbs. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, man, just make it special. Just you and your wife. And the dude's got like 300 wives. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, if you guys want to do that, this is the way it is. And it's so true. You know, I was, I was thinking about that just the other day with my wife. of like, what, what does make my sexuality with Emma so amazing? 
Um, is it because, uh, you know, like we, we always, you know, uh, I always get something out of it or it's so uh, passionate or pleasurable? Is, is that what makes it special? Or is what makes it special just our overall relationship with one another? Yeah. And the uniqueness of our intimacy, both emotionally and physically. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So if something's going to be of worth in your life, that means it has to be different from something that's not of worth. Right. And so when you're thinking about your sexuality, you have, you know, we think in those terms as well. Mm. Um, so if it's worth eating lobster, that means it's there's a comparison going on. Right. 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 Um, some people hate lobster, so you use that. <laughs> use that one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, my family's from Maine, and lobster's a big thing. That's it, man. <laughs> yeah. So it's of worth. It is. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Or imagine, like, you know, to, to use an example, it's like when someone competes in the Olympics and they win, like, why is it so special? It's because they won. Like, they're the only one that's getting rewarded. I mean, how odd would it be if someone competes all their life? They work, they work out, they discipline themselves, they train, they compete, they win, and they're like, man, here's the gold medal. And they give them the gold medal. And then they look at everyone in the audience and they're like, you know what? All of you get the same medal. <laughs> you know, like right. it would it would deteriorate the specialness where what makes that gold medal so special is that he only gets it. Yeah. Right. He's the one that, that earned it, that got it. And the same way with your sexuality, it's like if I'm giving my body and my soul and my emotions to my wife, what makes that so special is that I'm only giving it to her. Right. It would be it'd be totally weird if I was like, yeah, I'm giving this to you, but I'm also giving this to everybody else. And that's another thing that pornography depicts, where a lot of times if you're watching porn sequences, the people in the sequence were, were just if you're watching like a movie, people don't usually do porn movies too much anymore. I think it's just scenes now. But like if you're watching like a porn movie, it's like the person who's having sex with this dude in this scene just had sex with someone else in the previous scene. And, you know, sometimes they have scenes which uh, I, I guess arouse a lot of, spe like, uh, arousal in a lot of people. But it's this idea that, like, oh, this girl is married or this dude's married. And now they're, like, talking each other into an affair, you know, and then they have sex. Well, one of the, and one of the, it kind of leads into some of the other stuff that I, I kind of bring out in the Pima um, presentation. And, 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 and it's that, you know, the popular pornography that's out there. There's so much of it that is that is really incest oriented mm. and and so there's a lot of illegal like what we would call illegal activity that's very much on like is is totally cool to go to mm. go with and it shouldn't shock us because of course biblically there's biblical writings where things are illegal mm. you know what's going on in the bible right you know sexually and that we we would look at today and go man that's that's off right you know and and so so pornography is in a sense a parody of just what's in the in the heart in the minds of people right um and i think it really if anything it shows just the level that we can get at in it shows a vivid image of the depravity right. but uh, but uh, in no way is it the only image of the depravity Right. That's um, seen in our world sexually. So even without modern day pornography industry. Right. Um, and one of the slides that we've put into the parent presentation to help with this point 
is to help them understand the amateur nature of today's pornography. Right. And that that kids today through sexting or through just down outright videoing of themselves mm -hmm. become their own in a sense pornography produ producers. Right. Right. Everyone has that ability now. That's right. Which is kind of intense, you know. Uh, <laughs> intense. Is an intense thing. Yeah, me, me and Emma were actually just, my wife were talking about that. Not in a porn sense, but we were just talking about how crazy it is that, like, the, the smartphones that we have yeah. have the ability to video and picture at higher qualities than some of the best equipment back in the 80s. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. so you could spend, like, hundreds of that, like, movie companies could spend, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get sound, lighting, uh, video equipment, camera equipment, and all of them had lower capabilities than what you got in your cell phone. Like that's that's kind of an intense thing to wrap your mind around. So you know, you just apply that to pornography, where it's like these porn companies back in the '80s would have prayed to have something with high as high quality as a cell phone or a webcam. Yeah. You know, and now your kids have that, where it's like they can produce porn they could produce like higher quality porn with like filters on the computer and crazy stuff where they could they could produce actually like pornography yeah so what comes first the chicken or the egg so is it is it that the kid watches pornography and then films himself or is it that he's just like just curious man and just films himself which which makes sense because it's like what area like you parents who have kids in the teenage realm what area of their lives do they not videotape or take pictures of? You know, it's pretty much everything. You know, they take pictures of what they eat. They take pictures of where they sleep. <laughs> they, they take videos of themselves having conversations, doing everything. It's like, so why wouldn't it be a natural progression? Just check out like, Instagram, man. Everybody's <laughs> taking pictures of everything. Everybody's taking pictures of everything. See, why would it be weird that they just like say, why wouldn't I take a picture of this area of my life? You know? Yeah. So it's like, again, you could make the argument of like, no, 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 porn like taught them how to do that. Well, porn no more taught them how to do it than kids who have a YouTube channel where they like, you know, perform skits or anything like that, which a lot of kids do. Or, you know, like they're on an Instagram or making vines. Like, you know, the, the action movies and stuff, that, that's not really influencing them or impacting them to do this. That's just what they do. They do that with every area of their life. So again, the pornography is just another outlet, you know? Yeah. I think that the only thing it might do is it, it normalizes it, meaning that they see other people doing it, so they're like, well, why wouldn't I do it? Yeah, and I think that's the predator nature of the porn industry culture. Hmm. Uh, meaning if there's anything predatory, and what I mean by that is, you know, as a predator gets with a child and shows that child image on image on image, to try to normalize a behavior so that he can abuse the child. There is a normalization of imagery where when you see something over and over and over and over and over, you start going, oh, that's that's okay. Right. You know, and that's that is normal. And and so that is in a sense the the predatorial overview of that industry. It right. is putting out something that and some of it is highly questionable, right? You know, as far as like, man, the way you're treating people, right? And and even though I know that there that there's, you know, I'm not saying that there that the state laws aren't being implemented on the porn industry. It's a very highly critiqued industry, 
um, from what I hear. Um, it's probably up there with, you know, like cigarettes and, and like yeah. tobacco and alcohol. That's right. So it's regulated. Yeah. Um, you know, so we're not saying that at all. Um, but we're saying the overall finished product, you know, just what comes out. You know, when you look at what people are, you know, what, you know, it doesn't, it's not rocket science. I mean, you can just go on your, your um, Xfinity or whatever and just browse the titles and you'll get kind of what, what's, what's being talked about. Right. Um, you know, and there, there's definitely that, I think, that predatorial kind of attitude, you know. And the scripture tells us, you know, something, you know, again, from a biblical worldview, you know, it tells us that the whole world is, is held swayed by the wicked one. Um, so there's, there's an overall, you know, influence, if you will, um, of, of uh, the devil. Right. And, and the Bible says that's a real thing mm. um, that's happening. Um, and, and so, you know, there's, there's that aspect, too, of the adult industry um, that I don't think a lot of people realize. And, you know, and a lot of people's sexual lives are messed up because of that. Mm. Meaning, you know, if you took pornography and you said, hey, I'm going to treat my girlfriend or my boyfriend or whoever it is the way I'm used to watching this, this production, whatever you're watching, and you didn't talk to them about it. You didn't go to your significant other and said, hey, I, can I talk to you for a minute? You didn't do that. You just went in on acting the way that of what you viewed. Mm. I would imagine a lot of people are hurt sexually because of that. Mm. You, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Where people are like, man, like, what are you doing? Right. Or like, you know, like you're kind of treating me, it seems like a little like a doll or something right you know and without talking to someone about it you know first yeah um and so i i imagine that's one way that 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 industry has really infiltrated people's lives you know on a personal level that they might not even be aware of you know but in their heart they know there's they've been abused and you know, or, or that the sex that they've been involved in has been very narcissistic, mm. and, you know, just selfish or one-sided, or, yeah. or, or they never talk about it. And, and, um, and you know, so, you know, what I think what pornography has done nowadays is they've kind of realized some of the issues that, like what we're talking about against the pornography industry, and what the industry has done is they've kind of created dialogues in some of their more popular pornography. Right, and so they and we've talked about that on our, one of our last shows, <laughs> pornography, propaganda, and pornography. Right, and um, and how now they have like these dialogues. Right, right, which is funny. Like I always think that that's kind of like in a morbid way, but I still think it's funny that like all these critiques that like Christians and these religious movements are doing to try to get porn off, like shut down, has just made porn like better <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, conform, it's conformed to a, 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 a there's a porn ethic right right where porn companies are listening to this and they're they're not like oh like we should shut down because of this argument right they're just like oh we should reformat yeah. so that we can get more business basically yeah one of our one of our, the guys that we've interviewed before david lay dr david lay a psychologist been on dr phil but he wrote a book called porn ethic and, uh, and I'm not going to say the rest of the name of the book, but but it's about porn ethics, right? You know, um, and so yeah, there's dialogue within that industry 
certainly of like, hey, let's, let's like, what is our worldview? You can almost see them kicking it around, like, yeah. you know, what, what is our philosophy? What is our sexual ethic? Right. And it's also interesting because, you know, we mentioned this in the, uh, the talk for parents is that so many of the now prolific and predominant producers of porn are women. Yeah, that's right. You know, they're, they're like strong women who are like, I want to make, because again, they're, they're listening. People are like, oh, like this is degrading to women or blah, 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 blah. And they think that these arguments are going to shut down porn, but porn's like, huh, how could I make more empowering yeah. female pornography? And, and it kind of has merged, too, into this sexual education culture, too, with, with, with a lot of women in sex ed- education that speak all over the United States and that are authors and very smart. And the idea that they communicate is communication. Right. So if you communicate properly, then then it's then it becomes okay. So you hear that word consensual all the time. Right. So even in sex education in elementary or uh, in um, um, grades, you know, right. elementary through twelve, yeah. you know, you hear that term now a lot. Consent. Yeah. Consent. Right. Giving consent, which is kind of that same approach of saying, hey, there is a way to make this, do this right. Right. So the sex is really not the problem. It's just that, you know, we're not, we don't discuss the sex. Right. You know, and that's, there's a part of that that's right on. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good that you're talking about it. Yeah. Um, but then it only goes so far, right? Yeah. Um, you know, two people can get together. Jesus said it this way, you know, the blind will, you know, lead the blind in a ditch, you know, basically don't follow, you know, don't follow. Them. Right. And he, now, Jesus is talking about the religious people of his day. Mm. Don't follow those people. It's the blind leading the blind. But when two people get together and they say, hey, they're just in agreement. Right. They just go, hey, you know, you know, you, you know, what kind of sex do you like? What kind of sex do you like? OK, great. Let's have sex. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to go good. Right. 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 And it's, it's interesting, I was telling Bo this last week. I went in with a guy to, uh, he, he's going uh, to go through a program that's more geared towards like sex addiction and stuff like that. And it was right. it was very enlightening to me because I never knew like where these people's heads were at, you know? And you mean like the doctors? And the stuff. doctors who talked about sex addiction. And it really helped me understand why they're using this term. And what I gathered from his communication with this guy and with me is the reason why they have to use that term is because they've thrown out ethics, right? So this doctor, this therapist, he's not there to say things like, hey, that's that's not right sexuality. That's not correct. Like they can't say that uh, because it's a, it's a position of like no judging and we're just here to help you. So how do you get someone to care about something or to change positively from a behavior if you're unwilling to say that that behavior is wrong? Well, what you have to instead say is that behavior is destructive, right? And that's what they're trying to get at is that this is destructive. And the reason why I bring that up is because Christians need to understand the legacy that our attacks against the porn industry is actually creating. So we think, you know, we're attacking porn. We think that we're creating a legacy of no porn. But what you're actually doing is you're creating a legacy of reformed pornography or reformed sexual ethics. That's all you're doing. Because if all I do is attack porn for like, okay, well, porn's yeah, you're degrading attacking the outside of the cup. That's right. You're attacking the outside of the cup. You're not changing anything from the inside. So what it's done is these people have taken our, our criticisms and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, 
you know, having sex with tons of different women, uh, viewing tons of porn, these are the negative things it could do to you. But they're not saying, therefore, we should come to Christ and adopt Christian sex ethics. And that's another thing that Christians have kind of failed to do, where we are very good at attacking what we don't like about the humanistic, secular sex ethics. But we're not very good at articulating what is our ethic. What is, what do we believe is right sexuality? And people are like, oh, well, you know, we tell people all the time, wait till marriage. Well, that's not enough. Even with what Bo talked about with <laughs> consent, it's like, well, what do you mean wait till marriage? Um, are you saying that like once people get married, no matter what sex they have within the marriage bed, it's okay? So like if I get married to my wife and, you know, like I'm treating her in a very degrading manner or I'm forcing her to do things, but we wait until marriage, so it's okay. Right. Right. Or like I'm I'm forcing her to do things or, I'm, you know what I mean? Like there's there's so many different things that I could do within the marriage bed. Whereas like, are you saying that that's okay? And we're not articulating enough of what we mean. And I think it's because we're afraid to really push forward. And, and we put this inside that uh, the parents slides of like, are we communicating to people the purpose of sexuality, which is the reflection of God's nature, um, specifically his intimacy and also his love? Right. And we're talking about, yeah, that does apply to the bed. Like, how is love and the fruit of the spirit and the qualities of love governing the way that you treat your wife? Like, are you are you being patient? And yeah. Fine? Are you walking in faith and sexuality? And that's I mean, you know, and how does that look? Right. You know. Yeah. And that's I think that's what Christians are going to need to start realizing, recognizing and doing of like, are we are we willing to move forward and stop criticizing and start saying like well this is what we believe and this is why we believe it we believe that sex has a purpose and we're willing to say what that purpose is it's the glorification of god and we're doing that not to say like hey we're better than you but we're doing that to say like this is where our ethic comes from we understand that we've fallen short so we need the glory of god we need the grace of god in our lives and god has also invited everybody to come in and to partake of him and therefore his sex ethic and explain that to people so in other words we've been trying to give the principles of godliness without giving the center of godliness which is christ in you right so we're yeah. telling people how to live god christly without telling them how to have christ in you which is negative it's not good yeah and to and to, and to show and i love these conversations with peter so awesome <laughs> but and to show that you know the way I, tie, I I kind of have tried to show like the sex ethic of Christianity being the right one, the 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 right one, you know, is this is I, I remember blogging on something I called like the it was like um, the future sex ethic or the future um, like I, I, it was like future behavior sex sex ethic. I forget exactly what I called it in the blog, but it was the attitude of what if everybody lived the way you live? So if, and, 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 and the way that you believe about how the sex ex ethics should look. So like we talked at the beginning, if you took pornography and you said, okay, what if everybody lived it out like pornography does? Right. You know, what would, what, would, what would be the ramifications of that worldwide? Just if everybody did that, right? right? And then, okay, so let's, let's, let's we, we realize that that might be a little radical, and, right. you know? So let's, let's cut it down to this. Like, let's go down to like, Okay, what if some guy says, "Hey, I, I I'm a swinger. I like swinging." Okay, you know, you you live in a country where you can do that, you know. And 
But what is the future, ram future generation's ramifications? If everybody lived the way you lived, mm. what would be the future ramification of that kind of behavior? Mm. So then let's take um, polygamy, polyamory, you know, polygyny. Let's take all those, you know, and so basically polygamy. And, and let's, let's just, let's, let's, let's excra extrapolate, right. you know, everybody lives like Solomon. Right. <laughs> everybody has, you know, that's a polygyny viewpoint, you know, of a man. Hundreds of spouses. Yeah. yeah. But what if everybody did that? Right. And what would the world look like? You know, how would, how would women be treated mm. if, if that's the way it was? Right. You know? And, and, and let's, let's take everything. Okay, what if everybody was homosexual? Mm. That's the way you want to live? Okay, let's, now let's push it out. Right. What if everybody's homosexual? Right. What, is the, what, do we, what is the ramifications of that? Right. Okay, monogamy. What is the ramifications of that if we pushed it out? Mm. You know, and, and I think if you do that, then you start going, whoa, I can see where monogamy, man, one man, one woman, is good for the, the world if you push it out. Right. One, one. That's it. Right. You know, for life. You know, and so I, I've tried to blog on that at times. It's very, you know, I, I don't know, it's philosophical for sure, but, but it, it, it um, makes sense to me, you know, that that might be a good way of just viewing sex ethic in general. Like if you wanted just to, to look at what is a good sex ethic, if you wanted to answer that question, mm. it could be that way. Take what you do right now, and what if everybody did that? Right. You know, and you even, if you even looked at that in the bed too, right. that would be an interesting one too, right? Right. Yeah. You know, how do you treat your spouse or your whoever? And you push that out. And you said, is that the way, you know, what if the whole world lived that way? Mm. You know, so, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting view, viewpoint. Yeah. You know? So there's always a lot of things happening in the world with, uh, with sex and the way sex is being portrayed. Our world's always interesting with that, right? <laughs> That's right. One minute it's like, you know, it's totally for everything, and the next minute it's totally against everything. You're kind of really confused all the time when you're watching TV of, of you know, what what really, you know, people, uh, you know, where people are at. Um, and I hope maybe we'll get to talk about that, some media stuff next time yeah. a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, and if you guys have any more questions too, make sure you guys give us a holler as well. Um, you know, sex, like everything, is just like anything intimate. It's really, um, it's really fragile. It can be really fragile. So, so you know, there's a lot of things to talk about for sure with this. So, hopefully, you guys got some good stuff out of it. Me and Peter had a good time getting back in in our um, little makeshift studio right now. We'll definitely try to do this more frequently. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if you guys have questions, you can hammer it out at P Peter at runninglight.org. Mm -hmm. And Peter will answer every question you have. <laughs> on the, the best of my knowledge. Yeah, yeah you know, what, you know, what would be a good topic too is talking about faith, hope, and love, and how how that um, 
you know, how those work in our in our world of sexuality as yeah. Christians. Yeah. Uh, faith is a big one. Trusting God, trusting God, you know, is going to work in you and your spouse's life, and, and you're trusting uh, God's ways. Um, that's a huge one too. So, hey guys, we'll talk to you later. It's time for us to get home and hang out with our our time for me to get home. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36 8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.